Hello and welcome to another episode of the Startup Operator podcast. I am Roshan Karyapa and I am Gunjan Saha and together we break down the biggest headlines from India's growing startup ecosystem. If this is the first time you're tuning into this channel, please consider subscribing because we talk everything startup and if you're a regular listener, don't forget to like this video and share it with your friends. Uh in this week's episode of course we'll be covering the news around Byju's. In the latest update, investors have voted to remove CEO Byju Ravindran, but that matter is pending at the Karnataka High Court. Google released uh, image generation capabilities for its Gemini, but is that large language model actually racist since it has been generating only pictures of people of color? So we'll try to talk about that. In other news, PhonePay has launched its the very first indigenous app store for India called the Indus OS, and IRCTC has joined hands with Swiggy for pre-ordered meal deliveries. Well, if you are still someone who re- regularly travels by train, you can now order food straight to your seat. Also, last week in an interview with Nandan Nilakani, Uber CEO Dara Khushro Shahi said that if we can succeed here, referring to India, then we can succeed anywhere else. So a lot of exciting updates to discuss in this week's roundup. But before we dive into these headlines, uh Roshan Air India recently released the safety video and that video very beautifully depicts the various dance forms in India. Uh for, and another aspect of that it's all women yeah. who was there and that's a fantastic fantastic video really uh reinvigorating the whole india identity yeah air india is uh, the pride of the nation uh, right and i feel like it can be a luxury airliner i'll stick my neck out and say that right uh, i think if you revive some of this classic traditional sort of a motif uh, which is what this video also aims to do uh, i think it could be that right so uh, kudos to uh, prasoon uh, joshi and the team who have sort of come up with this uh, fantastic fantastic video Yeah. makes you proud yeah. yeah and and what else what else on the week the india test series is on the india test series is on as of now i mean india is trailing by 134 runs mm-hmm. uh, we're depending on the batting talents of kuldeep yadav to get us across <laughs> so i'm not very positive about it i just hope we don't go into the next match uh, 2-2 right i mean let's see so yeah that's where we are awesome Okay so the previous 7 days has been full of activity for the Indian startup ecosystem the biggest headlines involved Byju's on February 23rd which was last Friday Byju's board of directors had called for a special EGM and in that over 60% of Byju's shareholders approved resolutions to resolve issues of governance and financial mismanagement one of the key decisions taken was the removal of co-founder and CEO Byju Ravindran the shareholders who called for this EGM include Process General Atlantic Peak Fifteen, Sofina Chang Zuckerberg Initiative, Owl Ventures, and Sand Capital Management, and they represented over thirty percent of shareholding in the company. However, in this board meeting, Byju's founder and his family skipped the EGM, and on late uh, evening of February twenty-second, Ravindran wrote a letter to shareholders saying his and promoters' absence would invalidate the EGM proceedings. A Karnataka High Court order barred enf- enforcing any of the decisions taken in this EGM until the next hearing, which is on March 13th. And this order came earlier this week on a petition filed by the company against its investors. So I don't think the Byju's story making headlines is gonna phase out anytime soon. But can you give us a recap of what's exactly happening and what can people expect? 
Well, we've covered this uh, plenty of times on the roundup and uh, somehow every <laughs> every few weeks or so, I mean, there seems to be another development and uh, Baijus is in the news for the wrong reasons, uh, right? I don't know if that AGM had quorum uh, and what those uh, uh, ground rules are, uh, right? But this is uh, this is sad. I mean, a lookout notice uh, is pretty serious, actually, right? Uh, which means to say that uh, he uh, uh, is considered as a flight risk. Uh, right. So and which also means that his uh, travels are confined to within the country as well. So he can't go to, you know, Dubai or UK or wherever else. Right. Uh, yeah. Not a good look. Uh, definitely not. Uh, right. I think it's gone to a point where, uh, you know, it's only a matter of time before the investors take control of the company, uh, have some kind of professional management uh, in place. Uh, see, the edtech opportunity is still intact. Uh, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, online education is still you know, very, very low single digits in terms of the total uh, uh, share of the pie. Uh, so that is still up for the taking. It just requires, uh, uh, you know, a diligently run company to sort of do uh, what is uh, necessary, right? So, yeah, yeah let's see what uh, happens. So Baiju's was, you know, at its peak was valued close to $22 billion, right? But both of us can agree that as a company, the reason why it was started, Baiju's was doing a fantastic job. So this kind of raises the question, is a founder still capable enough of being a CEO when the company is actually a very big company? So that's a great question, right? I mean, very, very few have uh, scaled to uh, being CEOs at that scale, really, to be honest. Mm. Uh, right. I can think of a couple of examples at the top of my head. Uh, Jensen Wang of uh, NVIDIA, uh, Mark Zuckerberg Mark of uh, Meta. Uh, and Zuckerberg is especially uh, incredible because uh, the guy was a, you know, 20, 22 year old uh, kid, right? I mean, out of college. Mm -hmm. And uh, he has become this uh, fantastic CEO of a, you know, nearly trillion dollar market cap company, uh, right? That is so important. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's difficult. Uh, but, you know, uh, the good founders kind of recognize their limitations, they recognize their blind spots and are able to sort of complement those uh, with good leadership hires, right? Mm. Uh, which is what is very essential as you scale. As you scale, uh, the decision making cannot be as autocratic or as centralized as, uh, you know, as it was in the zero to one journey. Uh, you have to build complementary strengths within your management team. Uh, you have to trust people to go out there and uh, do what their expertise is and so on, uh, right? So while the founder can still retain the vision, uh, I think, uh, you know, the management team, the leadership uh, uh, and the board, right? Uh, a lot of the times, you know, board is just fancy dressing, mm -hmm. um, but the board becomes really, really, uh, uh, you know, important, right? Because they act as a sort of a moral compass in some way. Uh, to sort of keep the business on an even keel, uh, right? And with a lot of these startups going IPO now, uh, it's particularly important that they have in place all of these checks and balances and there is good governance, uh, uh, you know, from early on. Hmm. Kind of makes you think about the fiasco that happened with OpenAI, right? Uh, after the entire ousting of Sam Altman and coming back a few days later, I mean, they've even the board was reshuffled. Happens uh, more more often than we like, right? I mean, you can think of Uber, another famous example, mm -hmm. uh, right? And uh, yeah, there is this fantastic series called Super Pumped. Uh, I think I saw it on Geo. Um, definitely check it out. It uh, chronicles the founding of Uber and mm -hmm. up until the exit of uh, Travis, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and I've heard people say, you know, I don't think there was another founder who could have built 
uh, Uber uh, from, you know, from its zero to one journey um, because it required someone who was bullheaded, who was passionate um, and who had, you know, who had the gumption to sort of take people on, right? And I don't, at the same time, I don't think there was another person more mismatched to sort of scale Uber from the, from the time they went IPO and whatnot, yeah. right? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a difficult th thing, you know, leading companies. I mean, it's, uh, it's perhaps the most difficult job in the world, I would say. Well, but the uh, trouble is not only while you are scaling a company and keeping it at the scale, even if a company has, you know, really become one of the largest companies in the world, troubles still come up. Uh, despite shipping at a very rapid pace, Google is having a very frustrating month. Last week's Gemini 1.4 breakthrough was overshadowed by OpenAI Sora. And now the company is facing major backlash after its AI image generator went viral, but all for the wrong reasons. Gemini AI stirred up a lot of controversy, including criticism from Elon Musk when it altered historical images. It changed the race of traditionally white individuals and even well-known personalities to people of color. People have claimed that Gemini shows bias, suggesting it has a hard time creating pictures of white people. This has led to claims of ideological overreach. In a statement on X about Gemini's capabilities, Google wrote, we are working to improve these kinds of depictions immediately. Gemini's AI image generation does generate a wide range of people, and that's generally a good thing because people around the world use it, but it's missing the mark here. Now, uh, in one of the accounts that I follow, uh, Matt Walsh on Twitter, he has put out a very interesting thread as to what could be the reason for the AI generating such images. And he suggests that it could be just the, you know, the principles followed within the company. He refers to a old video of Jen Genai, who is the director of Google's resp responsible AI team, and says that Google's commitment to anti-racism is a key component of their AI work. And maybe that's why people are, you know, claiming that uh, the output of Gemini is of ideological overreach. So what do you make of that? You know, I thought the most incredulous uh, or rather ridiculous thing about the story would be the fact that Google's uh, chief of AI policy or ethics is called Gen, Gen AI, Gen AI. <laughs> or Genai, right? You can't make that up. <laughs> I mean, talk about like a, a role name fit, you know. Uh, but yeah, look, I mean, Google... Um, curates results, right? I mean, that's uh, that should not be surprising news for anyone. Uh, it's just that I think they kind of overreached on this one. They extended their hand, uh, and uh, it's it became fairly obvious, right? When you search for uh, an image of Vikings and a bunch of <laughs> Zulu warriors uh, show up, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, or or when you search for the founding fathers of America and you know uh, a bunch of black dudes show up. I mean, it's it's uh it's just it's severely racist actually if you uh think about it right i mean um yeah so this whole dei culture in google uh and broadly in uh, silicon valley right more so very exacerbated in google it has been a problem for for ages uh you know um, uh, the tech leaders uh, have all spoken about it ranging from you know paul graham to balaji Srinivasan. Um, to you know, uh, Mark Anderson and so on and so forth. They've all talked about how this uh, culture of uh, meritocracy is being killed by this DI culture, yeah. uh, right? Where uh, um, where merit is being compromised for you know either skin color or sexual orientation or gender and and things to that effect, right? Um, and what we saw last week was just a ridiculous, ridiculous uh, display of that, right? Um, 
so thiru our producer uh, uh, did his own bunch of uh, research on this right i mean <laughs> while we searched uh, for vikings and so on i mean uh, Uh, well racially correct uh, folks showed up but then i mean we sure search for hindu priests and uh, guess what i mean uh, you know uh, uh, not a single male showed up right i yeah. mean uh, uh, i i don't know so so this is obviously like superimposition of some kind of ideology at a uh, at a gargantuan uh, scale right yeah. for sure um and it's it's pretty dangerous when you think about it right i mean uh, you talk about rewriting history i mean think about uh, what would happen you know one or two generations down the line right i mean uh, we're laughing about this stuff but this thing can sneak in and become very omnipresent it can become the general truth uh, yeah. if you don't really do anything about it so which is why i think you know um, i think we need to really support pure open source uh, 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 llms and projects on ai right because uh, otherwise i mean the organizations are going to uh, impute their bias on all of these results for sure so yeah google did release its own open source um, uh, llm called the gemma right um, but that also I, i don't know how it's performing is there such a sad eventuality for a company that um, you know we once thought will be responsible for um, you know flying cars and uh, all sorts of things right i mean i've i've made the point earlier you know google had this moonshots project which uh, you know i would often go to the website and see what cool stuff they're up to yeah. you know and today i mean like for the first time in about 15 or so years i am actually considering moving my gmail to something else you know elon uh, famously mentioned that Excellent. he's going to come up with xmail right uh, i don't know under works yeah i don't know i don't know if it's that or moving the apple ecosystem but I certainly am losing trust with the uh, the Google uh, ecosystem very rapidly you know uh, because they do all kinds of crazy things right like sunsetting mm. uh, products right mm. i mean uh, they they're sunsetting google podcasts for example right which worked perfectly fine yeah. right <laughs> it was a harmless little product um i don't know so yeah, they're trying to bring the whole google podcast functionality into youtube itself right but we have seen this very often with google the number of times they rebrand their own products and relaunch it and i think this happens every time that a, a new head takes over and kind of paints this picture that hey you know this product is now going to be google's latest cash cow so all of this rebranding and all is very frequent in google so this is a very classic thing for google right to you know sunset few products and rebrand it and make it like sound like is going to be the latest cash cow for google uh, in fact uh, thomas kuren who is the ceo of um, your google cloud he tweeted out saying that we are introducing a new offering called gemini business which lets organizations use genii in workspace and then a user replies to him saying that hey thomas can i pay it with google pay in google wallet which replaced google pay which replaced android pay formerly known as google wallet If not, we can jump on a call to discuss billing. I'll send you an invite on Google Meet. The enterprise Google Chat, previously Duo, which replaced Allo, the replacement for Hangouts, the ring brand of Plus Hangouts, which replaced Talk and Voice. 
that's a hilarious <laughs> threat yeah it's a hilarious 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 threat i mean it's uh, sad but true you know mm-hmm. i i was just reminded of alo i mean alo was supposed to be like the uh, social uh, it was supposed to take down facetime yeah. when when I it mean, came out okay so google is not only coming under the scrutiny for renaming its products or for what gemini is doing but even rajesh chandrasekhar right a union minister said that gemini's response to a question about pm modi were in violations of india's it rules the new controversy involved gemini offering questionable responses about prime minister modi while being circumspect with regard to questions about other world leaders this comes days after mr chandrasekhar said that the draft laws to regulate the ai space would be brought about in june or july this year so looks like google really has a lot of fires to douse yeah they'll be kept busy Well, uh, but the Google bashing really does not stop. This episode is actually turning out to be a Google bashing. Uh, last week, PhonePay also announced the launch of the Indus App Store to take on Google and Apple. So, a lot of the founder guests we have interviewed in our podcast has voiced their concerns about the, you know, how they uh, twist the arms of founders in terms of the subscription billing, the revenue apps made, uh, the commission they have to pay to Google and whatnot. Uh, but this is PhonePay's attempt at creating a more competitive and localized mobile app store economy for India, which, by the way, is the largest app market in the world in terms of downloads. There is a growing clamor among the Indian startup ecosystem for more free market competition in the mobile app store space. Fantasy sports and gaming apps like Dream Eleven were not allowed on the Play Store until last year. What Indus App Store will allow is for game developers to choose any third-party payment gateway. for in-app billing and they will not be charged any commission if they use an external payment gateway at a later date indus will also provide its own in-app billing and catalog solutions but these will remain strictly optional for app developers hmm. so what do you think is this the you know respite uh, app developers were looking for in india and is this something other countries can emulate yeah for sure i mean it's a good alternative uh, in that sense right uh, but i don't know how much adoption they will get right i mean they're on uh, lava micromax and a few of these other uh, uh, oems right so they might be looking at maybe 15 20% of the smart smartphone market as such but the lion share is still owned by apple and uh, mm-hmm. you know google right so um, yeah it's going to be difficult but uh, it's a worthy uh, challenge i, I should say right uh, uh, they're not going to uh, charge the hafta that google charges of uh, 30% on the billing Uh, right and look i mean i think in a previous episode we made the point that you know a year from now or perhaps this year this year itself google will have to start negotiating with all of the big apps because yeah. they're not going to pay those kind of fees right uh, some of these business models are not at all sustainable um, if you're going to take 30% off the top for sure right mm. uh, so google has had to negotiate with epic in the us uh, and similarly some of the larger folks here will uh, do the same as well right yeah. um there's all kind of antitrust implications and so on and so forth uh so this is this is great i think phone pay uh did a great job acquiring in the os uh right they have about i think about 400 million users or so uh over right? 26 lakh apps yeah so uh <clears throat> if anyone can do it i think it's probably uh, you know phone pay right i mean mm-hmm. i would have bet on paytm but i guess they have their hands full with everything <laughs> that's happening at their end at this point uh so yeah it it'll be great uh, if you know the indian app ecosystem kind of comes together and uh, uh, supports uh, in the os hmm. so the tagline for in the os is india's app store right that kind of made me think in the lines of should 
countries start owning app stores and like kind of whatever profits are generated be it used to i don't know can it can either be redistributed or whatever used to make improvements it's a uh, i mean it's an interesting question for sure right i mean because what is at stake is so huge Uh, right i mean the app business itself is you know multi multi billion dollar business uh, right and should should a private entity sort of be the gatekeeper of that i am not very sure right um, so we might see some kind of regulated public mm-hmm. uh, utility kind of system uh, going forward uh, a lot of these things right i mean i i feel like it's all web 2.0 ish uh, yeah. you know uh, so some of these uh, um, systems and applications will have to kind of evolve uh, right it's it was great because it kind of increased the the pie uh, and it made services accessible for everyone but we're at a point where you know um, the gains from this is uh, sort of marginal and then uh, uh, some of these other aspects right i mean whether it's the billing the security uh, the algorithms in terms of what they show first next and mm. uh so on right who they privilege and so on is being called into question right so i think some of these difficult decisions will have to be taken uh, yeah uh, in the imminent future i would say yeah so in other news irctc is partnering with swiggy to deliver pre ordered meals straight to your seat in the train uh on thursday irctc announced that the train passengers could now access the official e catering portal of irctc to order food from different restaurants In the first phase, Swiggy will provide food delivery service at four railway stations, which are Bangalore, Bhubaneswar, Vijayawada, and Vishakhapatnam. But this is not the first time that IRCTC is partnering with any food delivery platform. Last time, around October, they announced a partnership with Zomato for ordering and supplying food at different railway stations. Now, I really don't travel by trains very frequently currently, but would you order food through Zomato or Swiggy in a train? Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, uh, for me, it, the biggest uh, concern would be what if the train leaves and the you know I miss my food. I'm sure that uh, you know there there will be enough uh, uh, processes to kind of take care of this, uh, right? Because I because I'm sure that you know more other people will have the same concerns as well. Uh, so this uh, you know I'm actually old enough to remember that uh, this food delivery to trains, right? has been an old concept i mean people have tried it before uh, but uh, yeah obviously nobody had the scale of uh, swiggy or zomato to sort of uh, manage the logistics and the operations as such right so so i'm actually excited to see how this could uh, pan out and mm. you know irctc is the largest uh, transport network in the country uh, right and they have a massive massive uh, number of uh, people uh, commuting every day yeah. right so um yeah this can give phenomenal scale for uh, these folks i mean if they kind of get it right in a pilot fashion at one of these uh, places right so yeah even a fraction i mean even if they're able to serve a fraction i think it could be uh, fantastic yeah yeah but one thing i want to call out here is <clears throat> so i used to travel a lot by train especially when i was in uh, darjeeling right and i remember the food quality was sorry to say the least yeah. right but recently again i was do- i was traveling in that same route from kolkata to new jalpaiguri and rctc was doing the catering and i have to say the food quality served on trains is now at par with the food uh, food served on flights uh it's yum it's hot it's healthy yeah i've been looking forward to you know travel by train uh, you know just haven't found the opportunity maybe i'll take one train to 
like a vande bharat yeah, kitchen or something bharat. yeah we should we should yeah. right i mean do a like a food plus train <laughs> review uh, but but i've heard very good things as well i mean things tend to generally improve over time right with hmm. whether it's services and uh, so on and so forth so yeah but uh, this is an exciting collaboration yeah or right, just like a podcast huh it's improving with time of course hopefully <laughs> <laughs> speaking during a fireside chat in bangalore with infosys co-founder and other architect mr nandan nelkani uh, uber ceo acknowledged the difficulties posed by the indian market stating quote unquote india is one of the toughest markets out there they are so demanding and do not pay for anything if we succeed here we can succeed anywhere else now a lot of media outlets are you know just quoting the part uh, where he says they are so demanding and not pay for anything i think that is a bit misquoted i think the real point that he was trying to say is that if we succeed here we can succeed anywhere else and i think that's pretty true for a country as diverse as india and for a consumer base that's you know always asking for cheaper cost better quality if you can crack the code here then you know you have a solid product to sell to the world yeah i mean I, like look full sympathy is uh, to uber as well right i mean they've been in india for about 10 years now i think and uh, it's not been a difficult game uh, for sure uh india is hard to execute uh right i mean uh, uh whether it is amazon or uber or any of these uh, folks who have kind of uh, come from abroad i mean they've all had to indianize sufficiently right i mean um yeah it's it's hard uh, india is a very very hard execution game and obviously you know i i would say the indian user is uh, uh value conscious right yeah. not just cost conscious um uh, you know uh, and uh, you know 50 bucks in india goes a long long way right i mean uh, more than perhaps a dollar would in the in the us or uh, you know a pound would uh, in uk and elsewhere right um so yeah i mean props to uber i mean they've kind of uh, stuck it out in india and they've recently turned profitable as well uh, right uh, this collaboration or this uh, uh, you know being part of the ondc network uh could be interesting for them right i mean they can use their same driver network to perhaps uh, you know deliver uh, uh, goods as well which hasn't kind of worked out for them yeah. as yet uh, right so so let's see how that pans out yeah i think uh, before covid they re- they really tried to deliver this goods using the uber eats platform right um, but however that got acquired by zomato and but uber is did fairly well in the middle east yeah so so let's see what this partnership with ondc will pan out like Uh before moving on to the talk of the town section here are the biggest highlights from the fundries side of things Rento Mojo which is a furnishing rental brand raised 210 crores or 25 million dollars from Edelweiss Discovery Fund Chirate Growth Fund and Magnetic Waco Foods which is the parent company of NIC Ice Creams raised 20 million dollars from Jungle Ventures Yulu which is a mo- electric mobility company raised 19.25 million dollars from Canadian Auto parts manufacturer Magna and Bajaj Auto Limited, and uh, Varaha, which is a climate tech startup, raised eight point seven million dollars from RTP Global, Omnivore, Orias Venture Partners, and others. There's also Cloud Kitchen aggregator Ghost Kitchens that raised five million dollars from Gujarat Venture Finance Limited, NV Ventures, Let's Venture, and Lead Angels. So a lot of exciting uh, headlines from fundraising. Yeah. I mean I haven't heard of uh, cloud kitchens in a while you know I mean it was all the rage about uh, you know couple of years back or something uh, right in fact Travis had uh, invested uh, in uh, uh, cloud kitchens as well right that was hmm. his uh, uh, new startup 
um yeah good to see some fundraise activity on that front but one thing interesting to note here is you lose fundraise right they raised funds from a canadian manufacturer and bajaj auto limited so uh, what what i'm trying to understand is how do founders actually decide do you need strategic investors like uh, you know an incumbent from the industry or do you need uh, venture capital firms and private investors so strategic investors uh, can add a lot more value beyond just the capital itself right i mean it could be uh, maybe like a trusted brand perception it could be the distributor network it could be the science and the r&d uh, expertise so on and so forth right um, so you will find a lot of these oems the conventional folks uh, investing in the, the newer uh, players for sure and and from their perspective i mean they're just hedging against the future right i mean uh, so yeah i mean i see this as a win win basically awesome. <laughs> So moving on to the talk of the town section, uh, Roshan, you put out a really interesting tweet. Would love to get the breakdown of that. Uh, you wrote, "We saw that businesses that were trying to solve this problem were all getting acquired, so we ditched that idea, thinking it won't scale beyond a point." This is by a founder on the podcast. Compare this to everyone and their uncles trying to build e-commerce or listing businesses in the 2009-2010 era with the classic one percent of market share and exit to strate- strategic slides. When I tell you how much more ambitious the current crop of founders are and how far we have come as an ecosystem, you won't appreciate it unless you've seen that era. What a time to be alive! Smiley. Yeah, what a time to be alive. <laughs> uh, you won't guess how many people uh, try to build the Flipkart of today. You know, I mean, uh, uh, and I'm not just talking about people who just like put up a website and whatnot, right? I mean, serious businesses at that, mm. uh, including uh, folks like. you know for example shop clues jabong all of these were funded man i mean they raised yeah. a you know uh, probably like close to 100 100 something million uh, in funding as well right and mm. jabong for instance uh, for instance was uh, funded by rocket internet uh, right which was hugely popular uh, german firm right so uh, a bunch of these folks tried to start businesses uh, because you know there was a wide space and uh, uh, they also saw this as okay you know what worst case somebody will acquire us right yeah. that was the thesis um, you know similarly you know bunch of folks uh, started in the classifieds business as well uh, assuming that you know whenever there is a consolidation uh, you know the sort of rising tide will sort of push them towards yeah. a, a strategic acquisition of sorts and so i was pleasantly surprised when i was talking to manish of fellow uh who you guys will hear on an upcoming podcast um right uh, when he said that you know wh- while he was contemplating a bunch of ideas he thought of this one idea and then happened to see that all the folks who executed on that idea was were were being acquired and so he thought i mean perhaps there is no scale in this right and decided not to do it yeah. so i mean that just shows how much ambition uh, the current crop of founders have you know uh they just want to think big they're not uh, just starting a me too business uh, yeah. as such and and which is fantastic i mean it it shows uh, how far we've come really yeah. but yeah. also that comes with the generations as well right i mean the ptm slipcards were yeah. probably the first actually the second generation of starters i would call first would be the infosys and the uh, likes and now we are having so many startup mafias within india yeah. the flipcard yeah. mafia and, and the likes this um, so uh, interesting yeah this kind of selective amnesia right i mean that's actually beneficial <laughs> you know people who who are not burdened by the uh, uh, by burdened by history actually 
uh, right? Because then they're free to think of uh, new possibilities and uh, they're not changed by the constraints of yesteryears. So, so yeah, man, I mean, like whenever I talk to founders on the podcast, I'm, I'm always like kind of gobsmacked at uh, the amount of ambition, the amount of drive these folks have. It's, it's amazing. It's something to behold. Awesome. What a note to end this podcast on. But wait, before we uh, actually end this episode, you mentioned about having a founder. Can you tell more about that conversation? Yeah, so I spoke to Manish of Fellow. Uh, I wanted to talk to someone uh, from the fintech world to understand what's really happening, uh, you know, with Paytm, RBI, uh, and what is the larger significance of this on the ecosystem. So this was a, a fantastic conversation, uh, right? I really can't wait for you guys to listen in. Uh, we'll perhaps publish that uh, sometime early next week. Uh, so you guys should definitely check it out. Yeah, and if you want to know when the episode is coming out, do follow us on our social media handles, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and of course, the podcast platforms as well. And what will really help us uh, is that if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform, I think that is the single most thing that helps us with discoverability. Uh, also, don't forget to do all the good stuff, like, share, comment on this video. Let the algorithms know this is a great content. And uh, we'll be back again next week with more exciting updates from India's growing startup ecosystem. Until then, take care and have a great week. Bye, guys. See you.